Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 207. Are you ready for it? it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. If you're looking for a one-shop-stop restaurant management solution, go check out qsronline.com. Inventory and food costing, enterprise reporting, data automation, and labor and scheduling all in one spot. To learn more, head over to go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable. Again, go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable. And with excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Jennifer DeRosiers. Jennifer, are you feeling unstoppable today? Yes, I am. <laughs> awesome. So as a holistic health and wellness coach, yoga instructor, and self-proclaimed real food junkie, Jennifer believes great health is a synergistic balance of healthy diet, tons of self-love, passionate relationships, and powerful movement. When she's not inspiring people to live their life to the fullest, you can find her whipping up treats at Laney Lou Cafe, upside down on her yoga mat, or adventuring in the mountains. Jennifer, this is just a huge area of view of who you are, what you're all about. I can't wait to learn more about you and your, this awesome journey you've recently gone through with opening your first restaurant. But before we dive into that, we need to get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra. So what do you have for us today? Tony Robbins said, everything you came for, you came with. Ooh, everything. Essentially, it's everything you need, you already possess. You're powerful beyond your wildest dreams. That's how I would wrap that up. Oh, I love it. And I think that's great because just scrolling through your social media pages, I see this this almost theme of just starting. I see, I see that. I think I saw that at least twice where it says just start. And I mean, what does that quote you just share with us and that, that idea of just starting have to do with the big picture? Yeah. I mean, definitely as I was uh, going through the process of building up the restaurant, it was a pretty quick process. We signed the lease the third week of May in 2015 and we opened our doors in September 7th, 2015 for most people within the restaurant world, apparently, that's pretty fast, mm. and uh, I would probably agree. And I think the thing that finally made me just say, you know what, we're putting up the open flags tomorrow, was just that I was never going to be ready, quote-unquote. And so I just had to go for it. You know, there was so much opportunity to keep refining menu items or recipes or procedures or whatever it may be. But there comes a point where you just have to open your doors and take the risk and do it. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you just got to pull the trigger. I think uh, one of my favorite sayings is ready, uh, fire, aim. (laughs) And (laughs) you just got to start and kind of figure it out as you go. And there's a lot to be said to the planning and taking the time to do it right. But if you never start, you'll never get anywhere. And I think it's a great way to start this um, interview. And also just to talk about, you know, just everything you need, you have. It uh, really reminds me of, uh, I'm sure you're probably familiar with this piece of writing, but Thinking Real Rich. Mm-hmm. You must have read that. I knew you would have. When you start, you know, the things you need will come to you as long as you just start and you work hard. Like the things that you need to be successful will show themselves to you, but they'll never get there unless, you know, you just start. Do you want to say anything to that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. I mean, I think a lot of the confidence that probably has come to me over the last several months of being open and, and knowing that this is going to be or probably already is a successful business is just based on the fact that it's so firmly rooted in a mission that I believe in. And that's where it comes to the, the my business is a vehicle for my mission. Oh, I love it. And that is, like, ultimately where the passion comes from and what drives the success. I love it. I really do. And um, we're going to come back to that because I think that's so key. And I think it's um, so – one of the biggest reasons why you're getting so much momentum so early on and why people are really getting behind what you're doing. But uh, I want to just – fill the listeners in. Today, we're, we're going to break from the normal uh, mold of where I typically have somebody on the show who's gotten all these industry accolades. They're they're known in their community for being the restaurateur, and I believe Jennifer is well on her way there. Um, one of the reasons why I wanted to break this mold is because uh, so much has changed in the past five to ten years of different tools you can leverage um, so using social media and really creating your, your personal brand and your restaurant brand uh, that's really evolved in the past you know, recent history. So I know you like went through this recently, which gets me really excited to have you share your story. And plus with your background of being a personal coach or, you know, like a health coach, and a, a wellness coach, I just think that you're going to bring a lot to this interview. So um, we're not going to be following the standard questions. We're going to be talking about some of the things that I feel Jennifer can bring to the conversation as far as like her recent experience and how she's just like portraying herself so well online and uh, some of the things she went through to get started and some of the challenges she had. So that's what we're going to be talking about today, just to create the big picture for you folks. And um, so I guess let's start first. I mean, you just said your mission is your, you know, you're, you're so, your, your restaurant's mission and who you are are so closely related. So talk to me about that. And you, like, I guess I'll phrase it with what's your why? What is your mission? What's your purpose and what you're doing? Yeah, definitely. So, um, I think most people have probably heard of uh, Simon Sinek, and he had a really, really popular podcast um, called Start With Why. Mm -hmm. And when I saw that, that really resonated. Probably, I probably saw that about a year ago, maybe even closer to, actually probably closer to two years ago now. And I immediately, you know, at the time I was in corporate business development, selling, um, you know, million-dollar pieces of equipment, completely unrelated to what I'm doing now. And I took that podcast into a big sales meeting and showed it to the VPs and senior VPs, presidents of the company saying, you guys need to watch this podcast because this is it. This is the essence of success is really being confident about who you are and what you do. And then letting that, you know, that mission drive you, drive your decisions and, um, drive the feeling of your company. And so Simon in that podcast, he talks a lot about companies like Apple and how they may not have like the latest and greatest technology. And I think that's very true right now. And they may not have the finest, most, uh, you know, the, the highest level product designers, but they've created a feel with their brand that people love and people, it resonates with them and they want to have a Mac or, uh, you know, an iPod or an iPad or whatever it is, an iPhone. So it's something that's almost coveted in a sense. And now it's become something that nearly every person has some sort of Apple item in their possession. So um, anyway, so that podcast has always, once I saw that, I was like, that's it. I mean, and, and so I knew I wanted to get out of corporate life eventually and really pursue my own passions. And at the time it was health and wellness. And 
being connected to the outdoors and adventuring and you know, being on my yoga mat, so bringing all that together into a company that I've called Wild Adventurous Life. And um, with that became this mission of, okay, I really want to be able to live my life very aligned with eating well, so eating consciously, and living this crazy wild adventurous life. So in the restaurant, I've, I've tended that to be, you know, li- eat, eat consciously, live vibrantly. Mm. And those four words drive pretty much every decision that I make uh, I, in the restaurant. I love it. And, um, I mean, one of the lessons I learned and when I was just getting started two, a little over two years ago, I really didn't know what success was in this what success was in this industry and what, what, you know, what it took to be successful. But I slowly started to realize that the most successful people, they're not trying to create a concept. They're not trying to, um, build something that isn't anything but themselves. And they're so aligned. Their restaurant is so aligned with who they are and what their personal beliefs are that they don't have to show up to work every day. They're just showing up to who they are every day. That makes the process so much easier. And just when things aren't, going like during a bad economy or whatever it is when you're showing up just being who you are and doing what you're passionate about it it will increase your odds of success tenfold i totally believe in that and i think right it's so much more fun right oh my gosh you just get to show up and be yourself you're a shining example of that and you know one thing you know economies change uh trends change but you you might change over time you might develop you might grow as a person but you're still going to be Jennifer DeRozier's at the end of the day. Like, that's who you are. And when your business is an extension of you, it's so much easier to show up to life. Yeah. And you know what's really cool about that? And I just was, I wasn't even thinking about this going into this, but it really allows other people to maybe light up their ideas as well. So it's like when you feel like, okay, I'm empowered and I'm giving my permission, myself permission to pursue this thing passionately. And then that really lights up other people to be like, Oh, well, I really want to do this or that. And then it's, that's what's cool is like the, uh, the trickle down effect, if you will, or, or whatever, how that, that, uh, passion sort of spreads wildly. Yeah, awesome. and I mean, what you just said to us, like how you told us about who you are and what you're all about. Like when I land on your website, and I'm on your website right now. I mean, it's full with like bright, vibrant colors, and right there, it's it, you have the Laney Lou mission. Like the first thing you see, and it says at Laney Lou, we celebrate community and the connection, or and the connection food has with creating or to creating more healthy, joyful, vibrant life. Uh, we use fresh, whole, delicious ingredients to create food and drink that nourishes your body and feeds your soul. And I mean, it's, I mean, it, everything's just so aligned right now. Um, and I, I just want to make an example of you. And when you're making your website, when you're first starting out, like think about who you are and how your restaurant and how you present yourself to the world and how it all aligns. And be conscious about it. I mean, tell me about the process of you creating your brand and what processes you went into to make sure that your brand was so aligned with who you are. Hmm, that's awesome. So, I, you know, this whole process of me, you know, opening a restaurant, it's a long and sorted story, and I'll, I'll spare you all the details, but it started about 12 years ago. And so, you know, obviously the um, the style of restaurant and, you know, all the details around the brand and the feel of the restaurant have evolved over time um and i think that you know you mentioned it mentioned earlier about how this podcast is kind of kind of fall outside the normal realm of what you would how you would structure your podcast and 
And those are the types of things I tell my team is that we're going to bust through the paradigm of what a restaurant looks like and feels like. And even from a business structure, like, yeah, there are some things that you have to, um, from a dollars and cents standpoint, that makes sense that you should try to structure yourself. But why don't we think that, think about this in a very fresh way? And so it's everything. My, my way is really getting the customer as soon as they walk in the door they feel the restaurant. It's mm. total sensory overload. Like we've kept the decor pretty simple mm-hmm. and then there's bright colors and you can see the food and that's really critical. They immediately have a connection with the vibrancy of the food itself. Mm-hmm. And uh, so for me, like it's looking at all of those, all of the details that's really been critical. So anyway, back to your question is how did it all come about? At the end of the day, especially when I was in corporate business development and traveling all the time and not having a lot of time to uh, you know, purchase food and make it at home. Of course, I was always on the hunt, trying to find good, healthy food, um, you know, on the go. And, and it was really hard to find. And so I said, okay, if I finally do this restaurant thing, that's what I'm going to do because I, I cannot be alone on this. When I get out of yoga, I want to be able to get something healthy. Or when I'm on my way to the mountains, I want to grab food to go or whatever it may be, or I'm in between meetings. And I just want to go and sit at a coffee shop and have a really good, cup of coffee and, and a good healthy snack and so I took all those I wish I could do this sort of things and had that really motivated me with you know putting together a menu and and the whole feel of of the cafe mm, awesome and um I mean as far as uh what tools do you use I mean it looks like you outsourced you had somebody build your website for you was there anything that made you choose uh this person who built your website did you have any play in how the website was going to look yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I did a, a fair amount of research, of course, when I was developing, um, you know, the menu and the, the look and the feel of of the cafe. Um, I did a lot of, of that type of research, just being on the road and, and walking into places. And thinking, wow, how does this place make me feel? And how am I responding to the food? And how do I feel after I eat the food? So, was, you know, I've been always, you know, especially over the last several years, um, taking note of what I liked and what I didn't like that other people were doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so that, that really helped out quite a bit. So that's just, you know, that's, and that, that same thing goes to looking at other people's websites and how they're promoting themselves and putting themselves out there on social media. So I think you can learn a lot about the look and the feel that, that you respond to just by looking around um, to see what others are doing um, and what they're doing well, maybe what they're not doing so mm-hmm. well. And um, so, yeah, so when it came to the website, I had a pretty good feel of what I wanted it to be. And, again, I wanted to highlight um, the feel of Lady and Lou. So when you saw our website, you it conjured up the same, hopefully, emotional response that you would get when you're actually in the restaurant so that there's continuity uh, between all of the platforms. And uh, so I think people had a really good feel before they came into the cafe, before we opened, like what kind of place we were going to be, which helped me not have to educate them so much um, because they had already been, quote unquote, doing the research, if you will. Mm-hmm. And they knew we they knew what our mission was the day they walked in the door because we had been promoting that mission um, and putting it out there probably for a good solid month before we opened our doors. Yeah, and you know, something I totally uh, forgot to mention and something that I'm sure has had a gigantic influence on uh, just your ability to, you know, sign a lease in May and be open by September and just 
expedite this process and to do it so well is that you have that corporate business development background. And how much does branding, uh, your branding, come from that background? Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, maybe a lot of it. I, I mean, I that's a really good question. It's so different. The industries are so different. But I think that um, I think that just taking this the leap of signing the lease kind of unleashed the entrepreneur within me because it was like, all right, all right, Jen, now you got to go do this. And uh, so it really it allowed me to really start dreaming big. So lots of, you know, journaling and list making and hunting around on the Internet. And, and what, probably one of the best things that I did was uh, I went on Pinterest and I created a mood board. <laughs> and I just started, you know, pinning up all of these, pictures and fonts and colors and logos and things that, that, you know, as soon as I saw them, I said, oh, I like that. And even if it didn't have an impact on leaning me at the end, you, it's crazy how when you step back and you look at this Pinterest board, how it really does reflect what ended up happening at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. You know, it's so, so, it's so easy to get inspired today. Um, that's one thing, you know, you've you've noticed, like, it seems like in the past 10 years, like the industry, the food and beverage industry has really seemed to step up its game. I think it's because you can literally, whether it be Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter, you can look at your, your neighbors, what they're doing, or you can look to the other side of the world and get inspired by what somebody is doing in like on the other side of the planet. Like, and you can just get all these different little inspirations all over the place. And I think it's cool that that you did that and you, totally. Um, let's see what else did I want to talk about? Um, one of the things that I'm really interested in is, uh, the different things you did to prepare, um, yourself for opening a restaurant. I mean, I know this, this, this dream of yours didn't just, you know, come out of left field right away. Like this is something you thought about for a while. Like you almost bought a location once before a few years back, right? Mm. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Actually my first ever, you know, like when I first had that moment of, yeah, I'd like to own a restaurant. It's actually a coffee shop, a really traditional coffee shop at the time. Um, this was back in the, the mid to early 2000s. Mm-hmm. So it's quite, quite a while ago. And that was, it was like, hmm, this place is for sale. Yeah, I think I'll put an offer in it. Even if I have zero experience. So that was kind of interesting. <laughs> so let me ask, like, what were some of the resources you went to um, in the few months prior to opening, getting ready, aside from social media and Pinterest, like what resources were you going to to kind of uh, give yourself like a crash course lesson in like how to open a cafe? Like what was, mm. like, what like really made an impact with you? Yeah. I mean, I think first and foremost, like we've, you know, I've, I've told you like this was a long, this was a long process. So over the last 12 years, I've, um, you know, I've, I've looked at probably eight different locations, some of which were already fully operating coffee shops or restaurants mm-hmm. and some which were just, you know, uh, buildings that weren't even built yet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so Brown's, Brown's Edge or whatever you want to call them. So, um, you know, I had gone through that process of sort of feeling out and letting things sit with me for a while. And I think that's really important just to say that I didn't make a snap decision. I'm so thankful that my offer on the first restaurant fell through because looking back now, I wasn't emotionally ready Mm. to take on this task. And I think that's a big part of it is just the the first and foremost was really being solid on who I am and what I want to do with myself. And so back when I was 23 or 24 years old, looking at this, it just wasn't going to happen. And so now, uh, now I'm, 
I feel like I'm I'm more prepared to take this type of financial risk and just being more resilient in my own head to be like, I have that self-confidence to say, you know what, I can do this. Even if it fails, I I was successful. Jennifer, you let's, know what I mean? let's dive into that. I, I do know what you mean. Let's dive into that a little bit more <laughs> uh, because I feel like you, know, you were talking about how you weren't ready then and you're a different person now. So who were you then and how have you grown as a person? Like what makes you now ready for this? Yeah, <laughs> I think back then I was uh, just a total bull. I, I <laughs> wanted to be successful. Like I, you know, I went to engineering school. Um, I was used to being in very masculine environments where I had to be, you know, super tough and 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 whatever, and just kind of put my shell on and walk in and puff myself up and say, okay, here I am, and I can, I'm strong and I can be successful. And and I had to. Um, and this is, you know, this is back when, you know, it sounds so old, but at that point, you know, I was going, I was a female going into very male dominated industries. Mm-hmm. And, um, so I actually almost became, I had to become who they wanted me to be, to be successful. And, um, and, and then fast forward to, you know, three, four years ago when I decided to become a yoga instructor, like that journey alone, it was life changing to me because part of it is, is about practicing mindfulness and really being comfortable with who you are. Mm. And, and again, it's just like where we started, right? Everything I need is already inside of me. So that means I get to be me. And how freeing is that? It's really scary, but it's really freeing. So, um, at the end of the day, uh, I didn't have that's those tools in my toolbox at that time. And now I feel really comfortable in the powerfulness of my femininity in my, uh, my skills as a business person, um, you know, my ability to be passion, passionate and to impassion other people. So I feel like that's, um, that's what's really different now. So that's awesome. I mean, I think that's just one thing we can all do in our lives is to do that, you know, inward search to find out who we are, uh, to be comfortable with who you are, to to discover our strengths, to to know our weaknesses, and then being okay with our weaknesses and finding the strengths in other people. And I I saw that's something that you've done. You did a great job surrounding yourself with people who are really passionate and talented from your social media um, help to your executive chef. And I think that's something we're going to tap into a little bit later. But I just want to pull out of you before we change the subject. What were some of the other – one of the things I wanted to get out of you with this question is the resources you were using. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So so right away, um, I foolishly thought we were going to be able to open in six to eight weeks. Mm -hmm. So I started telling people that's what we were going to be doing and telling customers. And there was a, there was a wonderful, like where we are, we're actually tucked back away from the main street, but we are in a municipal parking lot. Mm-hmm. And so I think there was just enough activity around where people were walking up saying, Oh, what are you building? What are you mm-hmm. doing? And stuff. So I started telling people, yeah, we're going to be doing this in six to eight weeks. So then it was, okay, let's get social media going and stuff. Mm-hmm. So we, we started just a sim- simplicity, totally free of charge. The, getting Facebook going, getting Instagram going, getting Twitter going, and just creating the dialogue with the customer, which feels a little bit one way most of the time, and that's a little scary because you're like, oh, wow, people aren't responding or liking my post or whatever. But the times when I really put it out there, hey, this is what we're doing, this is who we are, then people were very responsive to that. 
which was wonderful. Yeah, I don't think enough um, people do that. They don't use social media early on when the story is developing to create that buzz and to really – because that's when people are curious. That's when they're going to be doing the searching. And you need to be out there to be found during that really critical yeah. period. So Absolutely. Absolutely. And then because I was a little bit too bullish with the schedule, you know, we, we got our signage out pretty early on, which okay. created even more buzz and mm. stir and questions. And a lot of people were like, that was a mistake. Your sign was out one month before you opened. And you're right because we weren't ready to open. But um, at the end of the day, it did create brand recognition that mm. I wasn't even expecting. So I would say, actually, that wasn't a mistake. Um, you know, whether that contributed to anything or not, it at least got people talking, mm-hmm. which was a good thing, and looking for us online. Um, and uh, so beyond that, um, I tapped into, you know, a soft tool, if you will, is I, I tapped into uh, some local business people that I respected to say, hey, um, you know, can you offer me some resources, people that I can chat with? And uh, um, the Small Business Development Center of New Hampshire, which is completely sponsored by the state of New Hampshire and free of charge, um, I tapped into them and they, you know, they assigned a, a consultant to work with me. And um, and that was a beautiful thing because right away, if I had any questions about, you know, hey, can you, like, for instance, I said, hey, can, I don't have time to write an employee manual. Can you send me some templates? And, you know, he immediately shot over two templates, which were very usable. And I ended up, you know, combining, cutting and pasting um, major portions of those into what became mine. So all of the language that didn't have anything to do with Laney and Lou as a, as a cafe or as a mission or whatever, like all the other garbage, those and just cut and paste made it super simple and executable. Awesome. So, so far, just to summarize all the things you did to prepare a uh, real big picture first, I mean, you mentioned Pinterest earlier to kind of, create that idea of what you liked, what really resonated with you. Uh, you looked and you went to other locations to see what other locations were doing in person. Uh, you, the big thing is you took time, you know, it's patience. You, you developed yourself personally through yoga to really find out who you are and what resonates with you. So you can portray that image through your restaurant. Uh, you, uh, stayed, or you put the sign up early to kind of create that buzz. And then lastly, you leaned on your community with the small business development center. And I think that's one thing. It's a free resource that everyone always forgets about. And look what you got out of that. You you said they sent you uh, templates for employee handbooks and stuff like that. Like what else did they send you? Um, P&L statements. So being able to do uh, year one, year two, year three projections, I was able to send them those numbers and they were able to look through and and vet them out and say, okay, you know, this, obviously your projections are just, (laughs) they're that, right? Projections, Mm -hmm. you're just kind of making things up, but it gave me a very good place to start with the numbers, which is a scary thing, right? This is the kind of the last thing you want to think about is like, what if the customers don't show? <laughs> but, um, but it's good to at least know. So, and they encouraged me to be extremely conservative. Mm. And, and that was so smart. So I actually, my week one, day one projections showed that I thought that we, we might get 30, 25 people to 30 people in the door. And we were going to be open eight hours. So if you do the math on that, I had very low expectations, you know, of how many people were going to be coming in the door. And I was able to make the, um, you know, make the calculations to say, okay, that means I need 
I can afford to uh, invest X number of dollars into uh, people, extrapolate that out to the number of people I need to hire. And because I was coming from a place of knowing nothing about what I needed to do to start a restaurant. And so that was very helpful because then I was able to say, okay, I expect it's going to be busy during these times of day. I'm going to level, try to level load my, um, my schedule appropriately. And and I'm so thankful that even just that one simple spreadsheet gave me a wealth of knowledge to know, like, okay, this is where I need to try to be when I open the doors. Awesome. So just from reaching out to the Small Business Development Center, you're able to get an employee handbook, ops manuals, uh, P&L sheets, uh, learn about projecting and being conservative with your projections. I mean, that's just one little thing you can do just to lean on your community um, to you know really increase your odds of success. Um, and then... One other thing I saw that you did just through like rifling through your social media is that you went and you spent some time with an organic cafe. I mean, how did that impact? Was that, I know it was probably intentionally said you had mentioned earlier during the pre-interview that you got a certificate out of that. How much of a, just being surrounded and getting that experience, like kind of going to volunteer or whatever it is you did there help? Yeah, it was super critical, at least for me, because um, previously my only experience in a restaurant was working, you know, for a high-end restaurant for about four months right out of college mm-hmm. at a second job just to get, get rid of a few extra bills from college. And, um, and really, at the end of the day, uh, you know, I thought I had a lot of experience, which is just silly to think that. But, but I knew that um, it had been a while since I had been in the industry, if you will. And so I thought, well, okay, maybe uh, not only can I learn more about um, – you know, chefing and uh, about the raw food world. It's also a really easy way for me to, you know, completely um, dive into the industry and do so on a very short, short-term basis. And I actually paid them to let me come in, and they gave me a certification to say, okay, you spent, you know, whatever it was, you know, 80 hours with us doing this particular work, and um, and great job. But it it allowed me to, um, you know, get introduced to all aspects of their business, which was wonderful, to spend time with the owner, the chef, the, the sous chefs, the servers, et cetera, to ask them questions about um, their experiences and, and try to learn as much as I could from them. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of reminded me, okay, yes, I like being in this environment. I like how busy and crazy it is and chaotic and and. Um, and that's not for everybody. Mm-hmm. So I was just, you know, really thankful to have that time uh, to re-familiarize myself with the craziness of a restaurant. Um, but I can say that there's there's plenty of opportunities to do that um, in different ways. You could call, uh, you know, local chefs that you'd have, you know, respect for or that you uh, would like to have some time with, and you could just shadow them. You know, it, uh, people, I, I've already had a couple people ask me if they could come in and shadow me at the restaurant, and my answer is absolutely because, you know, that gives you uh, a look behind the scenes that you wouldn't typically get. And you also don't, you know, don't go get a part-time job just to, you know, spend a, a month there to learn what they're doing and then quit. That sucks for everybody. So it's much better if you just go straight up front and say, hey, I, I want to come in. I want to learn about your business and I want to see what you're doing here. At the core of it too, this is the hospitality industry. You'd be surprised at how many people are just willing to help others, um, especially in this industry. The people who are successful in this industry usually have, you know, really great hearts and they're, they're willing to help others. And I think that's probably the best advice I've gotten on this show is just find somebody who's doing what you're doing. Uh, that's very similar to what you want to create. If, if you're opening a restaurant, that's in a different, uh, you know, um, 
different location, like out of like that's not directly competitive, you'd be surprised at how many people are going to take you in, or maybe even invest in you. Who knows what could happen? But like, just go out there and get that experience and surround yourself. Yeah, with totally. Those. I mean, that's the premise of the show. <laughs> like, yeah. talking to people who are and, doing and that goes learn. beyond even restaurant people, though. That yeah. I've gotten a lot of really fantastic resources and tips from people that are in completely different industries because you know they're facing some of the same challenges, but. Even though the industry is different, the challenges are very similar, and especially in a in a very technologically um, driven community, right? It's okay. Social media is a big animal, and so there are a lot of people are doing a really great job. So it's like getting in front of them and say, "Hey, how are you getting exposure on Facebook and Twitter, etc." Jennifer, this is all awesome stuff. Uh, I'm ready to move on, but I just want to ask: Is there anything else that you think is worth mentioning in that early preparation? Things you did to get ready for the opening that's worth mentioning now? Yeah, absolutely. I um, I wanted to mention that um, I did make a fairly big monetary investment into the development of my logo, um, so which is obviously the core of my branding, the look mm-hmm. and the feel of the branding, as well as into my website. Um, and the, and the reason why I did that is because it really is, it you know, becomes a sort of pinnacle thing, a brand recognition that people see the logo and they know who it is, no matter where they're seeing it on social media, on the sign, on the menu, out and about. They know, oh, this is Lainey Moo, and I recognize that. And so um, I actually spent way more money on it than I wanted to. It was about 15% of my total startup budget on um, on developing this type of stuff because I knew the importance. So I used Hagen Martino and Portsmouth, and the reason why I used them is that um, they were working with other really successful restaurants. Mm. And I saw a few of the things that they did, and I was looking at, okay, I really like the way this restaurant looks. And so I did my research, found out who did it, and said, I need to work with you guys. And it was scary because you know they're working with people that are very developed and um, and have the cash flow to handle that sort of stuff. And so I took the risk to say, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna invest here, and maybe you know, maybe buy used equipment somewhere else, or do some other things to free up some money because I think it's really important, and um, I think it was money very well spent. Awesome stuff. And uh, a quote's coming to my mind. I just recently interviewed Chef Chris Hill, and he said um, he was quoting somebody else. I can't remember who he was quoting, but he says. You know, success leaves clues. And I love what you did there because you looked at uh, the other restaurants that are super successful that worked with this company and success leaves clues. Like who are other people using? Like that's just one thing you do. Just follow in the footsteps of those who are successful and you can pick up a lot of uh, great opportunities there. Um, and, but yeah, branding so important. That early investment in your brand, your identity, totally worth it. And uh, this is a good point. Take a quick break to thank our sponsors. We'll be right back. We all know the challenges of running a restaurant. Is the staff productive? Are the menu prices set to the right profitability? Am I getting the best prices from my suppliers? Do the customers continue to have the experience you envisioned? You probably have a handful of service providers, software, and people all trying to pull together your systems for managing your restaurant. From the managers doing labor scheduling and taking inventory to your bookkeeper entering invoices and sales numbers from the POS, your employees, providers, and you are tasked with several costly endeavors, both in time and money. Have you ever stopped to consider just how much all these activities are costing you? Well, I would like to tell you about a service that automates all these tasks and does much, much more. 
QSRonline.com. QSR Online was started by people in the restaurant industry who saw how much wasted effort there was in their business and set out to build a better system, and they've been helping restaurateurs for over a decade minimize and control their costs. To learn more, head over to go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable. That is go.qsronline.com slash unstoppable. All right, so we're learning so much from you, Jennifer, and I'm really interested now um, in, you know, the whole process of, you know, getting the capital, finding the funds. It sounds like you have a really successful background. Maybe you were able to do a lot of self-funding, which is huge. Obviously, the best way you can go about doing it using your own money, but um, what, I mean, what things went into choosing that location, getting the right capital? Um, Do you have investors? Like, tell us what, what route you went. Yeah, absolutely. So in terms of choosing the location, um, as I said, you know, this is the, whatever, the seventh or eighth location that I had looked at over time. Um, it's really something that happened by chance. And uh, I- I'll never forget going to a uh, food talk in Portsmouth about a year ago where one of the local um, notable chefs said, you know, that finding a location takes time. And I was kind of like, okay, good. <laughs> because I thought maybe it's me, maybe I'm just too picky. And so uh, to so rewind to May, and uh, I was actually walking to a meeting, and I walked through the patio of what is now Laney Lou, and I saw a little tiny for lease sign, and I knew that that had been a sandwich shop in the past, so I was like, oh, that's interesting. They, they must have gone out of business. And so I just peeked through the door, and um, and it just it kind of hit me like in a different way than it certainly did when it was a sandwich shop. And um, and so I, I, I picked up the phone and I called the, uh, the building owner and I said, I'm just kind of curious about the space. Can you give me some information? And, uh, we immediately set up a time to meet. And, um, you know, I, I actually told my husband that night before we'd even seen the space, I said, I think this is the place. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it was. I just had this, this feeling. And so that's how I found the place. It wasn't that I was actively looking to open up a cafe at that moment. It was something that I just knew. Like when I saw the space, I peeked in the window and finally got to take a tour of the space. And so this something about this space really spoke to me, and I could immediately see the vision of the layout of of the counter, of the food service area, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and and actually, the the actual layout is very very similar to what I envisioned that that first day, which is so- pretty cool. So did you go to investors? Was this something that you've kind of been saving? Like you knew this was something you always kind of dreamt of. Like were you saving for? Like how did you prepare financially for this? Yeah. So I had already taken the leap from my corporate job um, and was actually in a consulting gig at times to continue to make money as I was getting wild adventurous life off the ground and uh, fully moving into my health and wellness coaching and um, and teaching more and more yoga, et cetera. And it just was something that I had to do because my corporate job was taking me on the road quite a bit and just had a, a lot of its own requirements. So um, so I was already on my way, you know, developing my business at that point. So that's actually probably what made going to start, you know, starting Lady Moo a little bit more scary is that all of a sudden it was like, okay, now I'm going to make this big investment and I don't have any consistent income coming in or I don't have a, 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 a lot of consistent income coming mm-hmm. in, we'll say. Um, so I did, I, you know, of course I had been saving and, um, knowing that I was going to make this transition away from corporate life. So I had been saving my money. Um, and, you know, my husband and I had made a concerted effort a couple of years ago to what we call downsize our life. So we, 
um, you know, we sold our house, moved into a townhouse, something a lot more simple, less maintenance. So we had been planning for a simpler life, mm-hmm. much like given away many of our things and um, just to be less material driven and more nimble, mm-hmm. which I think is so important. It's not something that everyone can do, but it, it really helps me be less risk adverse. But uh, anyway, so yes, I, I did have that capital available to me, but I still did my homework. So I still met with banks, I met with um, equipment lenders, uh, leasing companies, et cetera, to look at all the options to see what made sense. Mm-hmm. And um, there are a ton of um, there are a ton of people out there that are looking to help um, small business owners. And so I would really encourage people to look at again. Um, there's, you know, the SBDC, the Small Business Development Center, can give people a lot of direction. Um, here in New Hampshire, there's actually a regional business development center um, that helps do micro lending, which is really nice, if, especially if you don't have to invest a lot into awesome. your business. Awesome. Uh, so that would be, you know, somewhere around the, you know, maybe five thousand to fifty thousand dollar range uh, for lending. So, uh, you know, and then there are banks that you know, really target small business owners and are less risk adverse than, you know, maybe larger banks would be. That sounds, okay. It's really cool how, I mean, it sounds like it just happened by chance, but you really kind of altered your whole lifestyle to be the perfect person to open a restaurant because you got rid of all these liabilities. You really made a, a simpler lifestyle for yourself, like you said. And I feel like that probably played, paid a huge role because those first early months, you can't really be taken away you have that, that's where all of your time and energy goes and i feel like that's just a really cool um side of the story that is new to this episode that i don't think i've heard mentioned before so that's, that's yeah that's cool it is really important to us to be able to focus on you know what really matters and you know it takes us back to you know kind of all that stuff we were talking about at the beginning and um you know for for me after being in the corporate world where I didn't feel like I was um, passionate about what I was doing, didn't feel like I was contributing, like this goes back to getting to be a part of a mission that is about contributing and connection. And it's not only just connection to my customers, but it's also having the ability to have time to connect with my friends and family. Mm, Awesome. So I'm curious, Jennifer, um, before opening the restaurant, you were very active in the yoga community. And um, I'm curious, like, how did being active in your community have a role or play a role in finding good people to work for you? I mean, are are any of the people you're working with now or even just being a personal growth coach? Is that the correct term? Uh, yeah, health and wellness coach. Health and wellness yep. coach. Like, how did these things, uh, how you were involved through your community with health and wellness and yoga instructing, like, how did that play a role with finding good people to work for you? Uh, yeah, I think there's definitely a connection there, uh, for sure. I think it helped me. I think, you know, teaching uh, yoga locally and having local clients helped me feel a little bit connect, more connected to the needs of the community. and. And to me, that was important only because my uh, my corporate job was really global. Um, mm-hmm. So I was working for a corporation that was in Massachusetts, was in another town, completely disconnected from local community. And so definitely, like, you know, instructing yoga um, helped me feel more connected to the immediate community. And so that was a huge stepping stone to me, again, op- you know, starting Wild Adventurous Life and and repositioning my focus to being more local. Um, 
And, uh, yeah, and so then, you know, I was able to develop, a, you know, my own sense of community here. And then when I started saying, okay, hey, guys, I'm going to, I'm mean, going to do this. I did have, um, you know, a small group of friends that stepped up and said, you know, hey, I've got some extra time or, you know, whatever. I, I could work for you for a few weeks or a couple months, whatever, to help you get going. And that was really, really huge um, because there were times when I had to call people and say, hey, like, whatever. I had no idea I was going to be this busy. I completely understaffed, um, which I do recommend, by the way, <laughs> even though it's miserable. I, it's very hard if you feel understaffed, um, but uh, but you never know. So it's better to be understaffed than overstaffed, I mm-hmm. think. And so um, it was nice to have uh, a group of people that had said, hey, if you get in trouble, call me. And um, unfortunately or fortunately, I did have to call them. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it was nice that they showed up. And then when I was able to, you know, to get people that were, um, you know, looking for restaurant jobs and was able to establish myself as a, as a restaurant in the area, then, you know, people were more likely to come and want a job. You know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. And, um, one lesson I learned from Jim Collins, uh, good to great is that you got to find people and put them, you get people on the bus and put them in the right seat on the bus, put them in the right lane, however you want to say it. It seems like you've done a really great job at leveraging the strengths and finding the right people to surround yourself with, to increase your odds of success. So talk us through that process of how you found these Mm -hmm. people and how you're leveraging the strengths with your social media person and your executive chef. There's a few just to name off the top of my head, but go for it. Yeah, I mean, I think that right from the beginning, um, I knew that I needed to find people that were as passionate or almost as passionate about um, our mission as I am, because that they, then they'll feel excited to come to work. Mm-hmm. And so there, as we all as, as we all know, there are some very non-glamorous parts to uh, to being involved in a restaurant. So of course, I, I needed to make sure that people were um, were flexible and uh, you know were able to wear many different hats so they were okay with you know dealing with um customers because we're we're small shops so at any given time at this moment we have five people at staff Mm -hmm. um but i you know but but i should also say that we do about 200 covers a day so it's a lot a lot of people with small amount of staff and Mm -hmm. so um so for us um i needed to have people that were okay with you know, dealing with the customer, and we're very high touch. That's why I say very high touch in that the uh, customer experience has to be exceptional. Mm. And so they need to be okay with that. They also need to be okay with going back into the dish pit and getting their hands dirty and uh, and scraping food. And and so I've been very fortunate to find people that are okay with that. Yeah, I mean, um, I've, I've experienced your restaurant. It is it's super high touch. I. The executive chef serves the tables. Like, that's how high yeah. touch it is. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Pretty exactly. awesome, though. <laughs> yeah, and then that's the way it should be. And, then, you know, for us, it's like me to be really, uh, really passionate about eating healthy. Um, and I, you know, I, I want the, uh, I want the employees to feel very connected to the menu. So everyone gets to put in, um, you know, put in requests for menu changes or special smoothies or, you know, whatever it is. So we're, we're very, um, we're very open and communicative within the team. 
Um, and today, three of the girls, we actually had a, a little bit of a, a lull um, of an activity this morning. So three of the girls were working on a Valentine's Day smoothie, which is which is a lot of fun. And, you know, maybe only one person needed to do it, but they all felt involved in the process. And I think that in itself is really important. Oh, yeah. Um yeah, so then, um, you know, beyond that, um, and that, you know, sort of that connection to health and wellness and local food and, and that sort of thing, the other thing is that um, I'm, I'm also looking and have been very fortunate to find people that are on their own uh, growth path. So I understand that they're not going to stay at my restaurant forever. Um, I'm hoping some of them do. I'm hoping some of them will grow with us and <laughs> you know, move up into executive roles or, or, you know, whatever it may be. Um, and that's a long, that's a long conversation for another day, but I'm hoping that there's a growth path and some of them will stay, but I know most of them won't. And so what I'm looking for is people that either want to start their own health and wellness companies or coaching businesses or whatever, so that I can be a pathway for them to learn, learn more about local foods, um, health and wellness, creative um, menus, whatever whatever they're getting out of it. Maybe they want to learn how to be a chef. Mm. So we we open up those pathways to um, you know to our employees. And granted, we're only four and a half months in, so there's, it's a lot more talks and do. But right now, um, you know, I'm looking at with my executive team to say, or my management team or leadership team, however you want to call them, is hey, how do we take these people and give them a path so that they feel like they're growing with us. And it's not, we're not, we're not just taking from them. We're giving back to them. Awesome. And whenever I hear talking or people, my guests talking about uh, investing in the higher needs of their staff and their people, I I have to recommend uh, Chip Connolly's peak. I don't know if you've heard that book, Jennifer, but it's what you're saying is so aligned with the lessons in that book that people show up to work in this industry, they're not making a ton of money. They need to have their other needs being met, whether it's growing personally or feeling like they're contributing or, or they're somehow like those higher needs of the self-actualization, learning, personal growth, whatever higher need it is, is being met. And it sounds like you're doing a great job of that. So um, awesome Thanks. stuff. Uh, let's see here. We're getting close to the end. I have a few more questions. Do you have time? I don't want to <laughs> overstep my welcome. Um, so, well, a lot of times when people, they open their first restaurant, um, they have that surge, right? Where everything's fresh, everything's new, everybody wants to go there, and then over time it starts to taper off. Have you gotten to that point yet, or are you ready for that point? Like, uh, is there anything you're doing to prepare in case that happens? Yeah, um, well, <laughs> you know, 90, no, I don't want to say 90%, maybe 80% of our menu is raw. Mm-hmm. And uh, we combine, um, you know, cooked foods like rice and quinoa in creative ways with raw vegetables. Uh, but, however, I, I did, I did sort of um, have a, you know, a fair amount of worry that when winter came along, that we were going to see a tail off, just weather-wise. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was somewhat prepared for that. But I have to say that, um, you know, we've we've probably seen somewhere around. 50 to 60 percent growth since day one. Um, we were two to three times uh, above my initial projections, which was a beautiful thing and a scary thing altogether. That's so um, awesome. But when you set modest goals, like you said, and you were conservative with those numbers, I mean, you know, you're not going to get discouraged when you don't meet those numbers, or even better, you're going to be just pumped up 
when you exceed those numbers like you have. So that's great. Exactly. Yeah, it was a nice surprise for sure. And then to see the growth continue um, has been tremendous. And I, um, I must sound like a broken record, but I think one of the things that's happened is that, um, you know, we haven't invested in um, advertising hardly at all. And so there's two things that, that happen at Lady Lou. One is I, I very rarely say no when people come and asking for gift cards because I feel like um, they're coming to us because there's a need. And mm-hmm. so if they say, okay, hey, uh, you know, I need a gift card for this charity or whatever, um, I feel like that's – I'm in not only investing into the community, but it's a good way for me to get my name into – perhaps into a, a part of the community that I'm not into, perhaps, yeah. and who knows. So that's one thing that I do. Um, I'm, maybe my business consultant would say that was stupid. but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other thing that um, – uh, the other thing that we do is, um, you know, we're we're very clear about our mission, as we've said before. And so I think what that's garnered is is some excitement within the media. Um, so we've had coverage with the, you know, the local regional paper. I saw New Hampshire Chronicle yeah, awesome. is just here, <laughs> and will air tomorrow. Um, and then um, we were for, featured in the local edible uh, magazine as well. So those are just like three crazy um, exposure pieces that have put us out there right away. And and there's like no ifs ands or buts about what we're doing. And when in those pieces, like they're so clear on the mission. The way that they depict Ringing Lou has been tremendous. Like it makes makes me teary eyed thinking about like the exposure that we've gotten just because people are so excited about what we're doing. That is awesome. It really is, and I yeah. couldn't be more excited for you. Um, I mean, let me ask. We're gonna wrap up real shortly, but what is your biggest struggle now, or what was your biggest? Let me ask first. I guess what was your biggest struggle when you're getting started? Uh. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest struggle really was knowing when to open and getting past that fear of being not being ready because I didn't have um, experience with running my own business, with having a restaurant, et cetera. Like there was so many, there were so many open questions that I just had to say go. And, you know, I should mention that at the time I didn't have a chef. So <laughs> I was running the restaurant chefing all the food, you know, it felt like a really big task. And it was like, all right, let's just do this, you know. Um, so that was probably my biggest challenge, was knowing when to open. And what was the single thing you did that helped you get over that cha- that fear? <laughs> I probably shouldn't use the word, but I think I finally just said, F it, let's do it. <laughs> what I was trying to get at was you started, but F it works too, I guess. That, that's another yeah. way of saying it. Um, awesome. <laughs> so let me ask now, Jennifer, what is your current, your biggest struggle right now, the biggest current struggle you have? Mm, this is a good one because, um, as you can tell, I'm like super excited and I think other <laughs> people are super excited. Um, there's two things right now, and I'm to be brutally honest. Um, one is that, and I would caution anybody that's starting a restaurant to be, imagine what it would be if it was successful. Mm-hmm. I spent a lot of time imagining what it would be if it wasn't successful, and that is not a necessarily good thing. So that leads to conservative numbers and understaffing mm-hmm. and all that. So there's, there's a certain level of that that's good. Now let's imagine it's really successful. Mm-hmm. And... I would just encourage people to play both scenarios because um, 
I, as much as I love my restaurant and I wouldn't change it for the world, and I think it's a great place to start, I did probably um, play a little small in terms of the number of square feet that I have available to me. And so my biggest challenge right now is trying to do more in a very little space. Mm. No, so that's, that's, that. yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's number one. And then the number two thing is like, is just, I keep telling myself, as you can tell again, I'm very excited just to, to breathe and to allow it, allow it to happen. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. And when you were saying about, um, work thinking of those best case scenarios and the worst case scenarios, I can't help but think of, a uh, book I'm reading right now about the publishing episode uh, tonight, actually, after this interview, I'm going to finish uh, my, my book review of Jim Collins' uh, Great by Choice. Uh, and in that book, he talks about how the most, like the 10Xers, which are people who are uh, 10 times more successful than those who are also in their same industry, uh, one of their most common characteristics is uh, productive paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> and basically what they do is they they are never – I mean, yeah, it's great to be optimistic and think big, but they are always thinking about the worst-case scenario, and they prepare for the worst-case scenario. And that's something that I hear from you, a trait that I hear from you. So I know – I'm happy I trusted my gut in getting you on this show. Cause, uh, this was a great interview. You shared some awesome advice, some very actionable advice. Um, and I guess um, we're going to wrap it up. By I guess I asked all my guests who, or what's one question I could have asked you, Jennifer, that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Oh goodness, that is a toughie. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Gosh, I wish I could. I wish I could. Uh, I wish I could come up with one. Well, that means I did a good job. And <laughs> you just stumped me. I had so much to say the whole time, and now I'm speechless. Awesome. Well, you did have a ton to say, and it was all spot on, great advice. So happy that I got you on the show. Uh, it was just a great conversation. And uh, one thing we do here at Restaurant Unstoppable is we call people out uh, to be future guest mentors on the show like you were for us today. So who's one indie restaurant professional, somebody you admire and think would be a great guest on the show like you were today? Wow, I don't know if you've had um, Evan Mallet on the on the show or not, but uh, he, was he just guest came into my number one. <laughs> oh, he was. Oh yeah. man, I'm not surprised. He just walked <laughs> into my restaurant for the first time two days ago, and I felt so honored because he's such a leader in the local food movement in Seacoast. And oh yeah, it was yeah, it was it was really a nice little treat to have him and his wife there. And he continues to be a guy that creates change and, uh, you know, yeah, he shifts is. the paradigm over and over and over again. And that's what I think people love about him, right? You know, he, he, he never gets old. I don't know if I publicly announced this, but he is one person that really probably had a huge impact on the – you know, he was such an early influence to me on the show about sustainability – about doing food real and doing food right and paying respect to food. And it really pointed my show in a direction that I'm so happy that it's going today where I really focus on independently owned restaurants who are doing food right. Uh, and that's, that's the thing awesome. I'm, I'm really proud of. And I, he, Evan Mal, if you're listening, I have you to thank. So great that you mentioned him. But who is one person who hasn't been on the show <laughs> that you think would be a great guest? Go go worldwide if you want. There's there, The reach is endless. Oh, wow. Hmm. You know what? I, I actually feel like you, 
I feel like there's a lot to be garnered by the person that hasn't had a huge amount of success and could be just running like a little shop out of a window. Because I feel like those are the people that sometimes have something really good mm. that, that just didn't maybe play it quite the way they wanted to. I think it would be an interesting conversation about what would you do differently. Mm. You know, maybe they wouldn't do anything differently, but I don't know who that person is. But Well, I'll try to find them for you, Jennifer. And uh, <laughs> let, let the folks at home know how we can connect. If they have questions they want to ask for you or if they just want to say, hey, great job, or maybe they want to come grab some delicious food, uh, how can we connect? Yeah, sure. So Laney Moo is located in downtown Exeter, 26 Water Street. You can find us on Facebook at Laney Lou. Uh, that's L-A-N-E-L-A-N-E-Y-A-N-D-L-U. Um, or you can find us at www.laneymoo.com. That's L-A-N-E-Y-A-N-D-L-U.com. Awesome stuff. Jennifer, thank yeah. you so much for joining me today. You were such a great guest. There is no questioning. You are unstoppable. Thanks so much, Eric. I really enjoyed our time. <laughs> My pleasure. Cheers. There is another episode in the archives. A great episode. So pumped we got Jennifer on the show. And I'm, I'm really happy I kind of broke from the mold, like I was saying, to uh, get somebody on the show who's just really impressed me with their brand and uh, just doing so much right. And I really wanted to make an example of her. And I'm really excited to keep an eye on on Laney and Lou in the future and how they evolve as a restaurant. Uh, maybe if they become a restaurant group, we'll see what happens. But there's so many good things going for this place. Uh, I, just, I just had to make an example of them. And Jennifer, thank you for coming on the show. Um, awesome stuff today. Uh, can't wait to get more episodes like this published, but I need your help. How can you help me? Share this podcast with anybody and everyone you know who has aspirations to be a successful restaurateur or just a hospitality professional, or maybe they're in the industry now and you just want to provide them with more resources to increase their odds of success. Share this podcast with them. Uh, Listen to the show. Keep on listening. Leave a five-star review on iTunes and Stitcher Radio. Uh, Shoot me an email. Tell me who you want to hear from. Who are the restaurant mentors in your community? The people that are just doing things so well that everyone looks to for guidance. Connect me with them. I'll get them on the show. Um, What else can you do? Use my links. Sometimes our guests recommend products and services. I then approach those products and services and say, hey, people are suggesting we use your services. If they have an affiliate program, I sign up. I get a kickback. That's how I keep this going. That's how we can guarantee that we'll have more episodes going to the future. And I have a lot of plans, things I want to do to help you and it's all going to take money. So we need to, uh, let's make this show better. Let's take it to the next level and I need your support. Um, all right. That's all I have today. Like always, don't be afraid to connect with me on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I'm up there. I love hearing from you guys. Uh, That's it. I gotta get to work. I'm running late. So, (laughs) until next time, peace out.